Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The second pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU. Welcome, 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 draft fans, Jets fans. I know you guys hearing this. Thanksgiving is over. Dinner was delicious, like always. Now we're looking forward to some Jets football on Sunday in Houston against the resurgent uh, Houston Texans with Tyrod Taylor leading the pack. Zach Wilson, our prince who was promised after four weeks and three other different quarterbacks, is finally going to be back under center. And I know my guys are excited about that. Joe, number one Zach Wilson fan, has Zach Wilson pajamas. I know he's excited for his guy back. How's Joe, how you doing? Biggs, why are you telling people about my Zach Wilson pajamas? Like, that was something between me and you. <laughs> like, that's not cool. But listen, I just want to first wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. And I'm excited to see Zach play. Let's see what he can do, man. James, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Excited for Thanksgiving. Excited to go home. And also excited to see Zach Wilson and, and how he plays. Because I think this, you know, looking back, you know, a year or two from now, this could be a major inflection point in his career after having the opportunity to see other quarterbacks play in the system. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Dylan, I mean, we didn't really get to hear your pre-draft thoughts on Zach Wilson. We obviously know how Joe felt. We obviously know how me and James felt. So what are your thoughts about seeing Zach now that he's had some time to really watch other quarterbacks run this offense? I want to start with happy Thanksgiving to everybody who celebrated. I hope you guys all had a very good uh, turkey-filled day. But when it comes to Zach Wilson, um, I was a fan prior to the season. I did really like him. I had some concerns, kind of like Joe echoed a lot, and I will actually get to talk about a little more with my prospect today about throwing over the middle of the field. Uh, But I think for me, this is probably the biggest game of Zach Wilson's career to this point, and I'm not going to understate it because this is his first time with LaFleur in the booth. I think he's going to be seeing the field differently with LaFleur working the booth, and hopefully he can kind of show some of the production that the other three backups showed before because otherwise I think you're going to have a lot of concerns when everybody wakes up Monday morning. Yeah, no, it's kind of the perfect game for him to come back for and also the worst game for him to come back for because – Everyone makes the jokes about the Texans every week and how they're not really like an NFL roster, how they're tanking, all the issues that are going on with Deshaun Watson. And if he comes back up and lights it up, obviously there's going to be the caveats to the Texans, but you still want to see that. But if he comes back and struggles against the Texans, I think it's going to leave a lot of questions. So I'm really hoping Zach just comes back, hits the ground running. This offense continues to click and the rookies that we've seen progressing continue to do that. 
But uh, on the show, we talked about the top tier prospects, the Kayvon Thibodeaux of the world, the Derek Stingleys. But today, the four of us all watched an under the radar prospect, a guy that we don't think is going to go in the first round or probably the second round, but it's going to be in the middle of the draft where championship teams are built in the middle of the draft. So I'm going to start first about a certain running back from UCLA, and his name is Zach Charbonnet. Zach Charbonnet transferred to UCLA after two years at Michigan. Had a good freshman year, sophomore year, didn't really see the field much, and then he transferred to Chip Kelly, and I love Zach Charbonnet. He is one of those power backs. He's 6'1", 225, great, great contact balance, really hard to tackle, and actually has some pretty good long speed for a bigger back. He's not a guy who's going to be a burner, who's really going to, you know, run that 4'3", 4'4", but I really think he's a guy who can run away from good defenses, as we saw when he played LSU. And Michael Carter, I think, has been a really good running back. I think he's, through his first 10 games, I think he's been even better than I expected. And I really look at the other LaFleur's Green Bay offense. And Michael Carter, who's been compared, we've seen Devontae Freeman, we've seen Aaron Jones, now we've seen Austin Eckler this week, which another was another interesting one. And when they had Aaron Jones, who's like their receiving back, finesse back, they went out and they got A.J. Dillon, their power back, to try to build that thunder and lightning balance with their run game where Aaron Jones can do all the things. And then that third, fourth quarter, you bring in A.J. Dillon, that power back when the defense is worn down to really win you the game. And I think Zach Charbonnet would fit that role perfectly on the Jets next to Michael Carter. He's basically everything that Ty Johnson is, but I just think he's better. Um, I'm not going to get crazy. He wears 24. He doesn't have sleeves. And obviously everyone's mind's going to go to Nick Chubb. He's not that, but he's just a really, really solid football player. And I can't wait to hear guys' opinions on him. So Joe, a big fan of running backs. I'll start with you. Yeah. Every time I hear his name, I feel like having a glass of wine. Um, I thought that was the first thing that I, I noticed about him, but yeah. Anyway, Zach is a lot of fun. Violent runner with some juice. That's for sure. Uh, I like it because I think Charbonnet has a chance to be a solid back in the NFL. He might actually end up in my top 50 players in the draft when it's all said and done. But as far as the Jets go, I don't really love him here, even though I do like the idea of having a thunder and lightning type of combination that you mentioned, Meigs. I think when you mentioned A.J. Dillon, I just think A.J. Dillon is a little bit better of a zone runner than Charbonnet is. And I think he's just more suited for a heavy gap system. I think he has good vision in zone, but I think he does better when he's following a lead blocker or when there's a designated gap for him to run through. Even Chip Kelly uses him more as a gap runner at UCLA than in zone, and I think that's how he should be deployed in the NFL. I like him for a team like the Ravens, maybe taking over that Gus Edwards role because of the injury, or I think he would really work uh, very well in Tampa Bay as well. But like you said, listen, this dude is a beast, and the film, again, is really fun to watch. So if he somehow ended up on the roster, I'd most certainly welcome him with open arms. Dylan, I'll go to you. What were your thoughts on Zach Charbonnet? I would say of the four guys that we evaluated, he was probably the one I watched the most because I just enjoyed watching him. I watched the LSU game and watched a lot of how violent and aggressive he is, but I also watched the burst he had on a couple of those breakaway runs that it's just impressive for a guy who runs as violently as he is or as he does to have that good combination that he brings to the table. And I like what you said, Joe, about maybe not fitting necessarily right with the Jets, but I would actually argue more that, you know, I like 
a lot of what Carter has brought to this table to this point, the elusivity and a lot of the explosiveness and adding another dimension to the offense that we haven't really had in the past couple of years as a legitimate, very good receiving back, but also he's been able to break away and show that long speed. But I think somebody like Charbonnet, the biggest issue for me is going to be where he's valued because he is a very good running back. But I think with the Jets, he'd be more of a complimentary power back. And I don't think that's necessarily what they're going to look for. And I think he could fit somewhere else more as even possibly a three down back if he reaches his full potential. I really do like the way he plays. I think he actually is very good out of the backfield as well receiving. So I think his potential is greater than where the Jets could use him. But I do think that he could be utilized fairly well with the New York Jets. I just don't think that his potential is going to end up overvaluing where the Jets probably see him playing in their offense. And uh, James, I'll go to you, the man who hates running backs and wish they were abolished from the NFL. What were your thoughts on Zach Charbonnet? <laughs> well, it's kind of tough to follow you guys up because, Meigs, you said probably 70% of the things that are on my paper in front of me. And Joe, you probably said another 20%. So um, I don't have a lot of original material here left. But the thing I would say is I think, Joe, you made a really good point about him not being an ideal fit for the outside zone scheme. I mean, if you look at what that UCLA offense is, I mean, it's all these pullers, pulling guards, even pulling centers, um, counter, power, like pin and pull, everything. So that's like the opposite of what the Jets do. So I don't think it's a great fit. I agree he'd be a much better fit for the Ravens or another gap or power scheme. Um, my thing with Charbonnet is, even if he were a good fit for the Jets, I don't think he's a special player. I don't think he merits a top two round pick, to be completely honest, especially when you take a look you know, at 2023 and you see Bijan Robinson, you see Jameer Gibbs, um, you know, Deuce Vaughn, like all these great running backs who would be RB1 in this class if they could come out this year. Like I have a hard time seeing any of their RBs in this class meriting a top two round pick or even a top 75 pick. So um, that's kind of where I land with Charbonnet. I think he's a, he's a good player, but he's not special at all. Um, I would say he's in a similar mold to um, type of skill set that Kenneth Walker has. So. Yeah, James, I did like how you didn't mention the best running back in the 2023 draft tank Bigsby, but we'll get there next year. I'm not worried about that. Um, I guess what I'm for sure. I do agree with Joe that I do think that Charbonnet isn't the best scheme fit for this. I guess that I kind of want, this is more just wishful on my part for the Jets to want to adopt a more varied run approach. Like when we see the best team, best running teams in the NFL, like the Cleveland Browns, like the Indianapolis Colts, they're not really running one system. Like you'll see them you go outside zone and then you'll see them get, get some gap runs, get some wham, get some pin pull. And I do want to see that varied running game. And with an experienced offensive line coach, like John Benton, I, and he's also the run game coordinator. I do hope that that is something that the jets can get to in eventual years and getting a player with Charbonnet's skill set, I think can help lead to that. But uh, Joe, I'll go to you. There's a certain player at Texas A&M who you've been blowing the group chat up about. So Take the floor, stand on that soapbox. Yeah, really big fan of the guy I'm presenting in this under the radar segment, which is uh, like you mentioned, guys, who we foresee getting drafted in that round three to five range. So Anaya Smith, forgive me, Anaya, if I end up pronouncing your name seven different ways while I go through this, but Anaya Smith is this five foot, 10 inch, 190 pound wide receiver from Texas A&M, who is this twitched up athlete who can play multiple positions, has ridiculous change of direction ability, and could do magical things with the ball in his hands. Go check out that 95-yard punt return for a tutty versus South Carolina this year. It was super sweet. 
Yeah, this is a player I've been impressed with for some time. I've mentioned him in the Slack chat before the college season even started. I've always enjoyed watching him from a fan's perspective. And I'm even more impressed now having watched him with more of a magnifying glass the last couple of days. Let me tell you something. For someone who recently converted from running back and is in that nascent stages of his development to wide receiver, he's head and shoulders above where most prospects would be. He has a diverse release package from the line of scrimmage. He's a really good route runner. He's smart, understands how to read a field and find a soft spot in zone. And his ability to manipulate cornerbacks with, say, a head fake, a double move, a stutter step, or just his footwork alone is really nice. I don't know if you guys remember, but last season I called Elijah Moore one of the best snake oil salesmen in the draft with his ability to sell a cornerback in one direction while exploiting them in another direction. And you see a lot of that in Smith's game. And a great example of this is versus Alabama this year. Check that game out. You won't be disappointed. He played a pivotal role, scoring two touchdowns in that upset earlier this year. Now, Smith predominantly plays in the slot, much like Elijah did in college, but he's utilized all over the field, including out wide. And he's very much in this mold of a running back slash wide receiver hybrid that I expected Elijah Moore to be in the NFL. And for those that don't know, a running back wide receiver hybrid is pretty much a wide receiver who also gets carries out of the backfield and a lot of looks around the line of scrimmage with jet sweeps, swing passes, screens, and somebody you could put in motion to create deception. Now, we haven't seen a lot of that from Moore in the NFL. And let me touch on that for a second. I think it's important. I think the Jets are trying to protect Elijah. I think they are trying to avoid a Debo Samuel situation where he's spending more time off the field than on the field. Getting carries out of the backfield or getting a lot of touches around the line of scrimmage does yield itself to more risk for injury. And after Elijah missed some time with the concussion this year, I feel like they've been trying to put him in a situation where he has more of a chance to stay healthy. But I do think as his career progresses, you'll see more of that from Elijah. And we did this past week versus Miami. But still, I, I also think Elijah is developing nicely from an, an outside receiver perspective, and I'm sure that has something to do with it too. So to keep Elijah more, more in that outside role, this team still needs a player that could satisfy that role of a running back wide receiver hybrid that's important to the system. And Smith would be absolutely perfect for that job. Now, I think he can develop into much more than that as his career gets going, but a surefire way to get him playing time right now from the start is in that slot slash wide receiver slash running back type of capacity. So yeah, listen, as I said, I'm a big fan of Smith's. He's tough as nails, loves to block. I don't want to forget to mention that. And he's just this versatile prospect who can be a bona fide weapon in this offense. And I'd love to see him and Elijah on the field together. Having two guys in the field with their skill sets would have defenses on their toes for sure. And it will really allow the Jets to potentially move on from players like Jameson Cratter, who has been good for the Jets, but not as perfect of a fit as someone like Anaya Smith would be. And as far as the draft goes, I believe he's probably going to get drafted in that fourth or fifth round range. And I think that's an absolute steal for a player with his upside. I think he's one of these guys who will have a more prolific NFL career than collegiate. And I really love his potential as an NFL player. I mean, you know, what did you guys think when you watched him? Yeah, no, when the, my biggest takeaway from watching Anaya Smith is how Texas A&M uses him. A lot of when you was watching, especially the Alabama game, he's really their eye candy. He's their decoy role. And he really does when you, they move him along the line of scrimmage, put him in motion. They really use him to open up other players on their offense. And I think what you should, the biggest comment you can give Smith is, and if, as the college defenses really pay attention to him and are really worried about what he'll do. And that frees up a lot of other players on that offense to really get big gains, really helps their tight end Watermeyer. Um, 
My biggest takeaway with Smith that was when was a little concerning is when he gets the ball in his hands, especially when he's playing Alabama, I didn't see like the real shifty, that human joystick that you're used to seeing with that gadget wide receiver running back type. And that was what surprised me most. I think he's a pretty advanced route runner for someone who is switched the position. I think he did a really good job on his second touchdown where he absolutely torched uh, that deep defensive back branch on Alabama. His first touchdown, I think he just kind of got lost. And it was just a, just a nice play being in the right place at the right time. I think he's made some really nice, tough third down catches. So I think he's, I think he just tried it perfectly. He's like that late day, late third round, fourth round pick that can make some plays, be a decent wide receiver. But I just see him more as a wide receiver who's just going to make tough catches, be a tough, like just a tough football player. Um, I guess my biggest question for him and the Jets is wide receiver blocking is massive in this scheme. And while I think that Smith is not afraid to block due to his small frame, I just think he's get, he gets pushed around a little bit too much. And I think in this offense, you have to limit the number of wide receivers you have on the field that are going to be smaller. And Elijah Moore, as good as he is, is a smaller guy. I think you, you look at the Packers, like Alan Lazard is 6'5". Equinity St. Brown and MVS are both 6'3". And then you have the Randall Cobbs of the world. And I just think that you need to vary that approach. So that's why I kind of want Elijah Moore to be the smallest Jets receiver and then just put tree trunks around him. But I do like Eli Smith. I think he's a good player, but I do not exactly love the fit on the Jets. But James, um, I'll go hold to you because I feel like you got another Fuego Jets take coming for me. Yeah, hold, hold on a second. I've got to step in there because, you know, you mentioned some things that I definitely need to defend here. If you really, you know, go back and check out some of the film, he is like such a willing blocker, man. And he does such a great job of squaring up the guys and mixing it up. I would not be concerned with that at all when it comes to him. And oh, no, effort is, I have zero questions about his effort. I just think it's but, just that this, the human, this just the physics of it. Even the technique is good. I think that he's one of these guys who packs a lot of power in his punch, even for a smaller frame person. I think that that's something the Jets are actually going to really like when they watch the film. And as far as that first touchdown against Alabama, I think that, it again speaks to like what a smart player he is on that particular play. It was a running play. It was an RPO. And he really sold the run on that play and fooled. I believe it was the middle linebacker and snuck right into the end zone for the touchdown. So I think, you know, I don't want to, obviously he's my guy. I have to defend him, yeah, but always stand on the table for your guy. Yeah. Dude is like really solid and really one of these underrated prospects that I think in a couple of years, people are going to be like, why did, uh, Anaya Smith go in the fourth round. Why did he go in the fifth round? This guy should have went a lot higher. James, I'll kick it to you. Yeah, so, well, I actually agree with Joe about the blocking aspect. I think if you look at Tennessee last year, he was really good blocking. So it's not a concern for me, personally. Um, I think on the you know, on the positives, he's an above-average athlete for his size. Um, you know, I think he's pretty twitchy. I think he's fast and probably is going to run around a 4-4-0 to a 4-4-5, which is impressive. Um, I think he has a good change of direction. And I also think, as you guys have mentioned, he is versatile and can line up at wide receiver, and you can also line up at running back. Um, and he has special teams ability with punt returning and kick returning. Um, my thing is, I was a little bit underwhelmed by his yak ability, to be completely honest. Um, I think when you imagine a receiver in that mold, the Debo Samuel, the Kadarius Tony, Amari Rogers, Rondale Moore, that type of get the ball in their hands and let them work, you imagine somebody who was going to get the ball and they're going to have incredible yak numbers. And that's not really the case with Nia Smith. Um, you know, Nia's average is 12 yards per, uh, per catch, which is fine, but it's not really indicative of any sort of incredible yak ability. And that's backed up by the, by what I saw on film. Um, 
And overall, I think I agree with you, Joe, in terms of the valuation of fourth, fifth round, but I disagree with you about the upside and the potential. Um, Like to be completely honest, like I watched him and I, I was kind of excited, but he wasn't really a guy who floated my boat. Um, and I'm not sure if I were a, uh, you know, if I were like a, a coordinator for a wide zone team, I would necessarily see him as somebody who can be in that gadget role. Um, you know, he's kind of just wasn't for me. You know, I think some people like James will try to pigeonhole him as a gadget player or a slot receiver. And as I said, I do believe that's how he will start his career. But I also think this guy has a lot of untapped outside receiver ability, and it wouldn't shock me at all if he eventually turned into a receiver who was able to get you a thousand yards from scrimmage, even as a receiver, or when you combine his rushing and receiving numbers. I really think that there's so much left to his game. He's in, like I said, the early stages of his development. And I just, man, I, I, I couldn't disagree more with how I see his career going forward. But again, he has to find himself in the right position on the right team. And I think that the Jets would, would be amazing for him. I really do. Dylan, um, are you going to join Joe on Anais Smith Island or are you going to side more with me and James? Um, I actually think I'm going to side more with Joe here in my initial. So I write a statement just about everybody with Charbonnet. It was violent with Aeneas. It was love it. Just love it. That was the first thing I said. I love little gadget guys like this, as I know Joe's going to hate that I just called him that, but I'll back up the different point of view here. I love Lynn Bowden when he came out, but Bowden has not translated well to the next level. I love LaVisca Shamal when they came out. Love Chanel more as a comp for what I see Smith possibly being, but I think Chanel hasn't even been used to the full potential here. With that said, I think with Smith, he's undersized, but he could be a good enough blocker that I kind of had to refute your claim a little bit, Meigs, that I think not only could I see him being a good blocker at receiver, but I could also see them using him maybe out of the backfield as a better blocker, almost as a running back role where they use him in different packages to compensate for the fact that you look at a guy like Ty Johnson, who let's admit it, he gets run through like a revolving door as a blocker. Michael Carter hasn't shown anything to this point where he's been a legitimately good blocker. And as much as, you know, I talked about Charbonnet and back that up where that's more of a power guy who actually has shown he's a good blocker. The Jets could use a running back who's a good blocker. I'm not saying Smith's going to be a running back, but I would rather him be out there on the field trying to block at certain points than I would Ty Johnson. So maybe using him in that kind of role was something that I kind of circled as. I kind of like that. And then with him, yes, obviously it's going to be talked about the versatility, but I liked a lot of what your point was, Joe, about maybe getting rid of Crowder. Although I've been a Crowder guy in the past, I think it's pretty evident this year that he's not necessarily fit LaFleur's scheme as well as other guys like you're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads.
Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. More necessarily do. And even Akeelan Cole, I think Cole kind of looks to the scheme fit a little bit more where Cole could do a little bit more than Crowder is, where Crowder kind of has been pigeonholed more as a slot guy. So for me with Smith, I think I see somebody who could come in and take a lot of the pressure off more to have those runs and have those Debo Samuel style plays that you mentioned and allow more to thrive as an outside receiver where he can be used a little bit in different packages, but really make him the wide receiver one that Joe has Joe Caparoso has banged the table for a lot and said, this guy's already our receiver one. So let's treat him as such. And let's not necessarily surround him with tree trunks, but let's surround him with guys who can do different things that can kind of take a little bit off his plate and allow him to work to his full potential. So I like Smith a lot. And I actually like him not necessarily more as a prospect, but more how he would fit in this offense. I think he does have a high ceiling as a prospect, but I could see him landing somewhere else and not necessarily reaching his potential kind of like Bowden. But I think with the Jets, I think he just kind of fits well enough in a lot of different packages that I just really like him. And then the last thing I hit, and I didn't want to take a shot at you, Meeks, this week because the week before it was Joe who I took shots at. And then last week I took an unnecessary shot at you, and I felt bad about it. But you mentioned to us a couple of weeks ago with McDuffie about how all these receivers in the NFL are getting smaller. And then you say you want to surround more with tree trunks. Smith's a smaller receiver who would necessarily match up better with your guy, McDuffie and fit where you said the receivers are going in the NFL. So I don't necessarily see why you would have a problem with putting Smith next to Moore. That was just something that I, uh, but I do really like Smith and I do see where you could be a little worried about it, but overall I like Smith a lot and I could see him working very well within this offense. Yeah, no, my, 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 my point really is more just, I want Elijah Moore to be the focal point of this offense because I do agree with Joe Caparoso. I do think he can be the best receiver on a really good offense. And I just think the best way to get him out is put like Corey Davis is six, two Keelan Cole's a bigger receiver who also plays in the slot. I think those are the type of guys you want to surround him with and you want to shop Jamison Crowder and put him in with a bigger guy. So that's kind of like the reason why I want to build around that. And I think your Lynn Bowden point is perfect is when an I Smith goes to the wrong team, like Lynn Bowden, with the Raiders in Miami, he gets lost in the shuffle. And with and that, that's why I think Smith's a guy with variance and fit really matters. And you guys think he's a perfect fit for the Jets. I do not. And I kind of have those worries about with the Jets. That's why I'm probably lower on him than you and Joe are. But uh, Joe, I'll let you give you one last, yes. you know, me, give you a spiel. Give us what we all think. And then we'll move on. You just said you want Elijah Moore to be more of this wide receiver one. So if you're going to be putting him in that role, I mentioned this uh, in my spiel, then bringing another guy in who could satisfy that kind of running back wide receiver hybrid role that this team still needs is who Anai Smith really is, at least at the very beginning of his career. So as far as like fits and like putting the best group of people around Zach Wilson and around Elijah Moore, it doesn't get better than this guy as far as a late round prospect. The okay. End. <laughs> All right. All righty. We'll move on. So Dylan, I'll go to you. Um, Ryan Griffin is like tight end one right now. And that's just a sad, sad statement. And the Jets are going to have to get uh, another tight end, another tight end in the draft, free agency. They're, they need all the tight ends. And you brought one to the table, so let me hear about it. 
So I think I'm definitely bringing a more unique guy to the table than a traditional tight end prospect, like more of a Jeremy Ruckert, who we talked about a few weeks ago. But I know that this is a guy that I personally liked. I liked watching his tape more necessarily as a fan, not necessarily as a tight end connoisseur, because this isn't your traditional tight end. This is a guy who only switched to tight end because he wasn't getting a ton of reps at receiver and because COVID-19 happened. Otherwise, this is a guy who would still be trying to find his niche as a receiver at Nevada. And instead, he was able to convert to tight end. Doesn't even wear a tight end number. He still wears number 19. He still plays it as a receiver style at certain points. He's played outside as a tight end technically at points, which has been weird in the packages they've used him in has been weird. But he's incredibly lengthy. He is a very good route runner for a tight end. He controls the middle of the field well. And I think that he has that catch radius that is absolutely absurd because he was a former basketball player, which I know a lot of tight ends. That's the big, you know, drop the hammer point that they're former basketball players. That's why they catch radius is so insane. But he really does get up and get it. And I think that's something that the Jets lack is somebody in the red zone right now who's going to be able to go up. And I'll say it moss somebody. And I think that his length is something that, you know, I kind of contradicting almost my point here a little bit to what I said, Meeks, but, you know, he's a tree trunk kind of guy who could take some pressure off more and more over the middle of the field. And this was something that I alluded to about Wilson in the intro about how I was initially scared that, you know, you see a lot of the ways that John Harbaugh utilized Mark Andrews to get him over the middle of the field for Lamar Jackson to ease a lot of pressure off. But Lamar was able to go and find him. And you do look at the way Ryan Griffin and Tyler Croft, more specifically, when Croft was on the field, was utilized by LaFleur as much as we had qualms with LaFleur's early style of play calling. But he did leave Croft over the middle field at certain points for Wilson to hit him, and Wilson just didn't do it. With somebody like Turner, I think you have somebody who could exploit the middle of the field well at points and not necessarily a gifted route runner over the middle of the field, but he's going to be able to add a little bit more of a go up and get it 50 50 ball presence on the field. He's also going to be able to add a little more of a talent at receiver than a Croft or even a Griffin will be able to. And I think that could ease a little bit more of the pressure off of Zach Wilson over the middle of the field. Do I necessarily think he's the best tight end prospect? No, I think he, I'll say it because I know it's going to get brought up. He's not a very good blocker whatsoever. I watched him get babied by a safety from Cal. So I was a little concerned. I think he's not necessarily strong. He doesn't necessarily have the best technique yet, but I think for somebody who's still learning the position, there has been some good. There's been a couple of plays where I've looked and said, okay, he held his own against that linebacker. I think if he can kind of improve his form with the right coach over time, there is a little bit of raw potential there as a blocker. But ultimately, this is a guy who you add, not necessarily to be your tight end one, but to be a versatile weapon over the middle of the field that you can hope will be a big red zone threat reeling those 50 50 balls and ease some of the pressure off Zach Wilson and I don't necessarily know if I can promise you that he'll ease the pressure over the middle of the field but I know that he's going to be able to be more of a presence than Ryan Griffin is over the middle of the field yeah better than Ryan Griffin is really what we're hoping for Joe I'll go to you what were your thoughts on Cole Turner yeah I liked his hands you know has the occasional drop but I'm cool with it he has nice body control and as Dylan mentioned, you know, he's a really nice red zone threat I think that's where he can make some money in the NFL However, and I don't want to keep going back to guys who aren't good for the system, but I don't very much like him for the system for a number of reasons. He's kind of more of a big slot at Nevada, doesn't play a lot in line and isn't a very good blocker from the inline position from what I can tell. But it's hard to say for sure because he doesn't get a lot of opportunities to do so playing in that spread offense Nevada runs. It's unfortunate because a spread system hurts a lot of these tight ends coming into the NFL and makes their transition that much harder and Turner is no exception. 
And even from a big slot perspective, and big slots are these guys who are too big for swap corners and too fast for linebackers. While I think he's too big for nickelbacks, I don't think he's too fast for linebackers. And it kind of takes away that element of a mismatch and allows NFL teams to keep their base defense on the field and not have to scramble as much if he was a mismatch for, say, both linebackers and cornerbacks alike. But regardless, I, I did enjoy Dylan's breakdown, and Turner is definitely intriguing as a later round prospect. Listen, this is a, a big boy with good hands, so I can see the appeal. Um, you know, I can't really say much else about Turner. I, I, I think he's interesting. But again, like, is he a really good fit for this team, considering he doesn't have any of that experience in line? It's tough for me because I think this team needs a tight end who can both block and catch. And listen, it's, it's hard to find those guys. And Turner, at this point, I don't believe is. And even when you see him running in, the, in that part of the middle of the field, it's weird because sometimes he seems like really kind of elusive and has like a nice release and a nice like hand foot combination. And then sometimes he looks like stiff and like, it's like, oh, is this the same player? So it was a little bit of a love-hate relationship when it came to that particular part of his game. But again, I just have a hard time uh, thinking he's going to come in and make an immediate impact. Maybe he's somebody the Jets draft late and try to develop. I think he does have that sort of appeal. Yeah, Joe, a point you made is really my main takeaway is like we, we talk about these mismatch like tight ends, like the Mike Isek, he's the one who comes to mind who really is just a big slot receiver. He doesn't really play in line at all. And that's like becoming like a big appeal. And there's also the traditional tight end, like the Jack Doyles of the world, who's a really good run blocker, but still has safe hands. Doesn't really offer you much after the catch, but is good at finding spots and zones and being like a good third down weapon, like a good, you know, a good, nice option for a young quarterback who needs a reliable safety valve. And with, to me, Turner's like stuck in the middle. Like he's not a good blocker, but I don't think he's also as dynamic as a receiver where he, like he basically makes up for the fact that he doesn't block and he's could just be another receiver out there. So that was really kind of my issue with him is I don't really know what to do with him. I don't know in terms of developing him is like which way you want to push him. And that's why I don't really see the fit with the jets and why I'm not really hundred percent sure what his role is going to be in the NFL. So that's really my main thoughts on him and James, I'll go to you. Sure. So I think the biggest redeeming trait that Cole Turner has is he is a really good receiver. Um, he has good hands. He has a really massive catch radius, as Dylan mentioned. And I think he also runs good routes for the most part. And I think he's a very fluid mover. So I think all those things are in his favor. Um, but as Joe mentioned, Cole Turner does play in an air raid offense. So he's often aligned as a receiver and not an inline tight end, which is kind of like the exact, like, polar opposite deployment that a tight end would get with the New York Jets. So it is a kind of tough evaluation in that regard. Um, I, I, you know, so I watched um, the season opener against Cal and the blocking was like, it was atrocious. Like it was a real liability. I mean, I think he, I counted three blocks that he made the entire game. He probably whiffed on like 85% of his assignments. Like, it was bad. I mean, there were times where he'd be blocking to the trip side as like number two receiver blocking like for a bubble screen and a safety would come down from like 12 yards off and he would just let the safety run by him to tackle the receiver as soon as he catches a screen. I'm like, dude, do something, move your body, throw a shoulder, like dive on the ground and try to impede his, his path to the ball carrier. And he would just be like barely moving. And so you watch that and you're like, I mean, like, this is not tenable. You can't play this in the NFL against, you know, he'd get ragdolled by, like, Ja'Kai Polite. I mean, it was pretty bad. 
Um, but I, I will say against Kansas State, which occurred later in the season, he was a lot better as a blocker. Uh, it was significantly better. And so he does deserve credit for that. Um, and he did hold his own. The one thing I want to say about the Kansas State game, which I feel like obligated to bring up right now, so everybody knows, is that I was watching Carson Strong and I, I was watching kind of some of his throws. And at the corner of my eye, I saw this defensive end from Kansas State. Number 91, his name is Felix Anodiki, Anodiki uh, Uzoma. Okay, so I looked this kid up because I'm like, damn, he's putting together some nice rushes. He is a true sophomore. He is third in the entire NCAA in sacks and first in forced fumbles, and he's a sophomore. And I'm seeing him put together, you know, um, cross chop, Von Miller ghost move. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this kid's a sophomore? Like, so I, I do feel obligated to bring him up as somebody who we will be looking into next year. But back to Cole Turner, look, he's a good receiver, atrocious blocker. I think he's somebody who teams will invest in thinking that they can develop him over time. Uh, only time will tell, though. So, Yeah, James is like, Will Anderson, who? No, this guy, Edge 1, 2023. You heard it here first. Dylan, I'll go to you to sum up all our thoughts on Cole Turner and see if we changed or strengthened your opinions on your evaluation. Well, I was laughing off screen as James was talking because I knew the exact play he was talking about where he tried to uh, not even use his 6'6 frame at all to make any sort of impact on the play on the bubble screen. And I think there was a couple of those plays, but I do agree. You know, I watched parts of the Kansas State game as well. And I think you see, especially in some of the other games, even to this point, there's been development as he's kind of learned the position a little more and worked and kind of progressed and natural in-game development that you're going to see from anybody. But I do... I do definitely think that the scheme fit is worrisome at points for me, but I think you got a guy here who is a talented receiver, could take a little bit of the edge off and maybe be a project prospect. I'm not necessarily seeing this guy as necessarily as high of a pick as Charbonnet was or Smith is or even uh, the next guy we're going to talk about. But I would see him maybe more as a fifth, sixth round guy who we take a flyer on to maybe be that tight end two project kind of guy. And I think if that's where we brought him in, then maybe I could be happy. But I'm not saying I would bang the table for him, but I'm saying I think he is so raw based on just how soon he's made this switch that just his natural in-game progression this season is something that maybe you could build off of as a prospect at the next level. Yeah, no, I think you summed that up perfectly. Uh, James, we're going to go to the guy with the best name in the draft, maybe the best name in a couple of drafts. Uh, he's probably number two after my, the old Cincinnati quarterback, Munchie Legault. That's still number one on my book, but, uh, tell me all about smoke Monday. Yeah. So smoke Monday is safety. He plays for Auburn. He is a senior and he's six, three, 200 pounds. Um, I think whenever you watch him, like the defining trait of this safety is how violent of a player he is. Like he, he hits hard. He's extremely aggressive. Um, you know, like he will F you up. I mean, there's a play a few years ago where he depleted Deandre Swift, like on the, like for, on the four yard line from the goal line. Like it was a crazy play. Cause you rarely see that from a safety who weighs only 200 pounds, which is basically the size of a cornerback. Um, and so I think when you look at smoke, he's comfortable playing cover one free safety. He's comfortable playing, you know, halves and playing split safety. Um, so he has versatility in that regard. I think one of the things he does well is he's pretty instinctual. He does a pretty good job of trusting his eyes and breaking on the ball. 
but kind of the converse, like the other side of the coin there is he's very instinctual. And so he is pretty susceptible to double moves or in one case in the Penn state game, they ran the bubble screen, had the tight end leak out on the pop pass. And that went for a touchdown because he committed on the bubble screen very early. And so obviously there are growing pains there, but I like his versatility. They use him in a ton of different ways. Um, He does have, I think pretty good special teams projection just because of how violent of a hitter he is and how athletic he is for being 6'3", 200 pounds. And I think his ceiling is about an average starter in the NFL. He's not somebody who's going to be an all-pro or a pro bowler. He's never going to be at the top of his position. But I think he's somebody who you can draft on early to mid-day three, and he's going to provide pretty steady play um, at the safety position. So that's kind of the prospect I'm bringing to the table today. Yeah, no – like Elijah Riley, I think is playing safety for this team right now. Like it's like street free agent city. And honestly, like bringing like a safety who has low variance is good. Just going to be good. Could be good. but It's not going to be great. Sounds fantastic. After watching the Jets safety play this year, smoke Monday, like that dude just hits. And like the Jets have had a couple safeties like that. Calvin Pryor brought the wood. LaRon Landry brought the wood but they didn't do much else and they kind of flamed out here quickly. But I do love your point about Smoke's versatility. I do think then that split safety role, which the Jets been playing a ton of quarters that Robert Sala is not the cover three P Carroll disciple who only believes in cover three. And I do think he'd be a good fit for this defense. And I think that's honestly, we want to really start seeing like this defense has been developing some day three picks like Michael Carter, the second has been a good slot corner. Brandon Nichols has had flashes of good play. And I think we, they can do that at the safety position. And I think Smoke Monday is worth taking that shot on in that range. Joe, uh, I'll go to you. What are your thoughts on Smoke Monday? First round name, fourth round talent. That's about all I got for Smoke Monday. Now, I, listen, I, I agree pretty much with everything that James said, mostly because I've barely watched Smoke. <laughs> but when I get to it, if I see something I don't like, I'll be sure to give James all the smoke he can handle. No, but in all seriousness, you know, I watched a little bit of him, specifically that Arkansas game, and there were some good things and some bad things. It seemed like he had some really good awareness and instincts to see how a play was developing and really kind of was around the ball when he needed to be. But then there were some other instances where he was, say, protecting the middle part of the field, and he gave up a third and 17. And I was just like, all right, that did not leave a good taste in my mouth. Or this other play for a touchdown where clearly the team was trying to fool him, and they did so. Because they brought somebody into his zone, he bit, and then they threw a touchdown right over his head. So I was like, all right, this guy has a lot to learn. He needs to do a better job of trying to figure out exactly what the quarterback and the offense is trying to do. Because he has a a decent grasp of it. You see it sometimes on film. But then he has these like momentary lapses of judgment, and he looks really bad. So I, I like, like I said, I think that James' analysis was pretty spot on. He can hit you. Like, he'll, you know, knock the snot out of your nose. But... As far as the Jets go, yeah, again, a late-round prospect. This team is starving for safeties, just like you said, Meeks. So if they brought in a little smoke, listen, you know, I could get down with that. Dylan, I'll go with you to cap off our our last prospect. What were your thoughts on Smoke Monday? So I kind of want the smoke. I'm going to bang the table a little bit for uh, Monday here. I – Prior to the Penn State game, something I kind of have enjoyed doing this season and now their home stretch is over, 
is looking up the prospects on the opposing teams. Now, for teams like Ball State and Villanova, I wasn't necessarily looking at guys I was going to be able to watch. But for guys like Michigan and uh, Auburn, I was able to look at guys like Tank Bigsby, who ran all over us, or a guy like Smoke Monday, who I remember looking at my roommate and going, what a name. This guy better be a stud. And I remember doing some back work on him and kind of liking some of what he brought to the table. And then I watched him play. And I remember watching a play and I'm going crazy, celebrating a touchdown. All of a sudden, my roommate looks at me and goes, what was Monday's number again? And I said, 21, why? And he said, yeah, he just bit on a double move. And I think he's the reason we just scored a touchdown. So there are certain moments where I, especially this over the last 48 hours, kind of went back and watched where there's a lot of lack of mental discipline in the way Smoke Monday plays. And even to simple stuff like getting ejected for targeting, but more advanced stuff like biting on certain screens and certain moves that more advanced corners shouldn't bite on. And I think he's a guy that projects as a very strong, long-term prospect. I think there are certain parts of his game that you see his coverage ability. In 2019, there was a stat I saw on PFF, 200 coverage snaps, six catches. He's shown that he can be a decent coverage safety. And then you look at even this season, he showed a little more work inside the box. He's had a career high tackles for loss this season. He's showing a little bit more versatility. And I think he's someone where there's a couple raw parts of his game where, you know, I hear this analogy used a lot of the master of none, but good at some. He has certain raw potential in categories like coverage and even just being able to make those plays, but he can get too overzealous and lack the mental discipline to make strong plays at certain times that I get a little concerned. He is a hard hitter. He's hell of an athlete. And I do think there's a lot of potential for Smoke Monday to develop into a better prospect. And he's one of those day three flyers that I could really get behind. Now, am I going to bang the table for Smoke to be a future starter on this team? No. But would I rather him trot out there than some of these practice squad guys we've been throwing out there in the past few weeks? Hell yeah. So I'm going to bang the table for Smoke Monday, especially as we get to day three in this year's draft and hope that he's still on the board because I think there's a lot of what he does that there's some raw potential, but there's a lot of miscues that I really don't like about his game. Boys, another episode of draft season in the books. Had a great time talking about these under the radar prospects with you. The Jets are on the road this week, but Joe Bellick is still doing his giveaway. Flight, hotel, all included. Just got to be the first one to DM Joe his phrase that. Pay- oh, wait. No, Joe's looking like. No. Okay. Apparently, Joe's not doing that. I'm sorry, draft season fans. <laughs> Check back for next episode. But uh, make sure you're sub to Badlands. Make sure you listen to the TOJ pod with Will Parkinson's. Make sure you listen to TOJ live with Steven Zance and Steven Russo. TOJ has all the best Jets content that you will need. And we will see you guys next week. Hold on a second, Meigs. We are going to be doing the uh, the giveaway for the Eagles game, but no, there isn't going to be any dinner involved or a hotel room. <laughs> we're, going to, we're going to skip on that part. But yeah, thanks again, everybody, for listening. Again, hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving. And listen, we'll see you next week.